Welcome to another episode of the Self Storage Insight Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Brandy Taylor with Self Storage Secure. And Brandy's been in the industry since the early 2000s, uh, like 20 years of experience uh, managing self storage facilities there in Georgia. And so, Brandy, thank you so much for joining me on the show today. I'm really excited to hear about some of your experience within the industry and kind of talk about how you run your facilities. Uh, so if you don't mind, if you would just start with giving us a short introduction on how you got started in the self storage space. Sure. Okay. Well, um, I got into the storage industry purely by chance. Um, I happened to be a friend of a friend who knew of uh, a job coming open. I interviewed the next day, and that was in June of 2003. I've been with the owner ever since. Okay. Um, it was actually, he had been open for three years prior to that, and it was his first venture into the self-storage industry as well. Um, you know, about 23 years ago, it was just getting off its feet. So right. that was still kind of in its infancy. So we had a, a lot to learn together. Um, and through, let's see, we've done maybe five expansions so far. And with every single one that we've done, you know, we learn learn something new. So Right. It's just been an, an, an experience and awesome. an adventure. Great. Yeah. So, so as far as the size of the facility there, uh, like how many units, how many square foot, that sort of thing you well, have. Considering a lot of self-storage facilities, we're probably small. We have about 765 units total Okay. Uh, spread across two different facilities uh, in the same town, but obviously different locations. So uh, one is downtown, one is kind of on the outskirts of town. Okay. And as far as your location there, did, I don't remember if you gave us the location on where that facility is located. Um, forgive me, address wise, or you want like, yeah, just, just uh, roughly like what city are you in? Oh, oh forgive me. <laughs> that no, that's was okay. Sandersville, Georgia, little okay. town, um, about two and a half hours South of Atlanta. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, as far as, as far as the market that you've seen there, then as far as other facilities and stuff coming up, since you've been in, in you know, in and around it since the early two thousands there, what, what's the growth been like in your area? How many, like, as far as recent, you know, uh, recent facilities opening around you and that sort of thing? Well, there were two very small, much older facilities. Uh, they had just started getting off the ground when, uh, the owner built the facility I run. And since then, there had been uh, two other places to uh, open up here in Sandersville. So, you know, it, the popularity is still pretty good. Um, mm -hmm. They're both not very large facilities because we're not a huge community, but they're decent size. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. I'm all, I'm always interested in to hear like as far as uh, different uh, geographical locations and stuff, it seems like some areas have really gotten, you know, tons of facilities built and they're overbuilding in those areas. And some seem like they haven't been hit really hard yet. And so, yeah, I yeah. always just like to kind of see how the, how the market's going in your area for sure. Something a lot of people ask about. Um, Absolutely. So, so uh, it's all about location. Right. Um, you know, the best, the great, the best or best location, I can't spit it out, um, has 
you know, the more possibility of, of being full. Right. Absolutely. Um, and so uh, with, with your, you know, getting started around 20 years of experience in self-storage, what do if you remember back to when you kind of got started, what are some of the pain points that running a facility that you had to address, or maybe some things that were challenging that you overcame? And uh, if you could share any experience to that end. Okay. Well, um, in terms of reno not renovations, but expansions, um, biggest pain point on that would have to be constantly checking on the construction to make sure that the workers are doing what they need to be doing and not taking shortcuts in terms of um, fully uh, a fully new portion of the facility. This isn't any type of renovation. It's a new thing. So making sure that um, the majority of those things are being done because it, you know, some people take shortcuts and you find Absolutely. them and uh, it's just, if you pay attention to make sure that's you're paying for what you're getting, then you'll, you'll have a good one. I, for mm -hmm. me, I think the biggest pain point has probably been finding the right employee. Um, not everyone's cut out to be in the self-storage business. And as those of us who have been in it for a while know it's dusty, it's dirty, mm -hmm. you know, it, you can depend upon location, be real sweaty. I mean, it can get miserable out there. Right. And, um, if you have the wrong person working for you, uh, it makes everyone else miserable. You just kind of walk on eggshells. So. Right. Absolutely. So, with with managing an employee at a facility, what kind of uh, you know what kind of job role or what what kind of expectations do you have from that employee? Uh, what sort of tasks do you normally give them versus that you take on yourself? Well, you know, I'm the type of person that I will not ask my employee to do anything I won't do. Right. Um, I don't expect them to go out there and do something that I won't, and so I make sure they know that. Um, I'm pretty hands off. I just assign tasks and ask them to to do it just to kind of see um, how well they approach the task. And obviously, I try to uh, be a reward giver. So if I see my employees are doing a great job, that they know that they know it, um, they're rewarded for it. So hopefully that. Uh, you know, that keeps me with a, a good employee base. Absolutely. And then I'm, I'm assuming, do you have a different employee for each of your two locations or is it one that splits time between both facilities? I do. Um, I have one assistant manager who is at my other facility and I have an associate who is with me. Now you asked for a, mi a minute ago about splitting the duties. You know, I do most of the, um, book work, the accounting and all of that. I have my associate help me with, you know, collections, some of the outside chores, things like that. So, you know, I try mm -hmm. to stick to managerial duties and let them do what they need to do, but I like to get my hands dirty and make sure they know I'm willing to get in the ditches with them. Right. Absolutely. And if, if you don't mind a couple follow-up questions too on this, how, 
at what point did you decide that you needed to bring on another employee? Because I know there's a lot of, you know, small to mid-sized mid facilities that are in the midst of like, am, am I at the point where I need to bring somebody else on to help me? How did you kind of know when, the, when you were at that stage where you were ready to bring on an employee to assist? Well, <clears throat> I have this big fault that I like to do everything on my own. So <laughs> I don't think that's just you. <laughs> Um, to make sure it's done right. I can do it. And I had to just mm -hmm. realize, look, I'm one person. I need help with doing some of these things. And, you know, sometimes it may not be a full-time thing, especially at the first of the month when all of our rents due, or at the end of the month when people start coming in to pay, prepay their rent. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's important to have someone at least in there to answer the phones, or if I'm on the phone to take the customer. So right. being backed up like that and just realizing, Hey, look, I need to be able to take care of my customer. I need someone else to help. Mm -hmm. so. For sure. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you for that, for that information too. And I mean, it, it, it is always just to hear other people's perspective on, you know, how, how do they decide when to move forward and what, what were they going through and some of the pain points they were facing before they brought on employees. And so I always like to touch base on that if I can. So I appreciate you sharing that information. Absolutely. What do, you, what do you find as far as with managing a facility that you end up taking up the most of your time, you know, day to day, as far as uh, whether it be entering payments or being on the phone, uh, where do you feel like most of your time ends up getting spent? Maintenance, maintenance, okay. maintenance. Um, you know, there's so much to do around the storage facility and people just think, oh, it's a cushy little job, sit behind a desk, answer mm -hmm. the phone, take your payments. But no, if you want a quality facility, you've got to be able to get out there and have the the gate chains and casters oiled. You you got to make sure your exteriors clean and web free. I mean, you don't want to go mm -hmm. show a unit to a customer and it being webby and have bugs and all that stuff in it. So, right. you know, spraying for bugs and weeds, picking up trash and checking latches all that stuff it just it eats up a lot of time right and then i'm assuming like as far as like a daily walkthrough or something like that where you go through and overlock units and um mm -hmm. keep keeping track of all your tenants is something that uh that do you do that daily or do you do that weekly or what's kind of your process for that we actually do that three times a week so okay. usually you know monday wednesdays fridays we um, do lock checks, um, check the facility, make sure everything looks good and weather permitting. You know, sometimes it may be less, but mm -hmm. I do usually try to stick to that schedule three times a week. Right. And we, we've been getting hammered with a snowstorm after snowstorm, it seems like in our area lately. So uh, yeah. <laughs> that can play into it a lot as well, as far as, you know, with the, on the maintenance side, you know, snow removal and all of that stuff, which not everybody deals with that. But that also then affects a lot of things that, you know, how much snow do I need to remove so people can get into their units? Uh, there's there's a lot of little things like that as far as that the weather can change kind of the the, the plan that we have for the day. So Absolutely. For sure. So, so let's, if we can switch gears a little bit and talk about uh, your uh, pricing, I, your, the idea behind your pricing uh, rate increases, that sort of thing. Um, you know, I, I know a lot of operators do it completely differently. Some people try to do, you know, rate increases across certain unit types. Some do it based on the lease and individual customers. What's kind of your strategy there as far as how do you try to get your uh, rate increases across the board? 
Okay. Well, I'm probably going to have every owner and manager out there screaming at me because we don't, we don't really raise rates that often. I think we've done it three times in the past 20 or so years. Okay. Um, you know, with the other facilities being here in town, we do call and we check on their rates and mm -hmm. we try to stay within that happy medium, um, making sure that we are the better facility. But if someone says, oh, I'm going to go down the road and rent, it's not because our price is just because it's more convenient for them. Mm -hmm. um, we've had people who would come in and say, hey, you guys are too expensive and, you know, we'll say, well, you can go down the road and, and be at the other, there's another facility down the road you can try. But, um, you know, we feel what we offer is fair uh, right. in terms of what we charge every month. So it's just about trying to keep the customer happy and keeping them at our facility and not raising the rates too much. Okay. And and again, that I mean, yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I know I've talked to multiple operators where, you know, if you listen to a lot of other podcasts and a lot of other people that are operating, you know, mega facilities and really, you know, they talk a lot about revenue management and rate increases, but I've actually dealt with a lot of, you know, smaller mid-sized facilities that are the same as you is they they try to keep their tenants happy. They don't like to, you know, overcharge. And then they also don't like to do a bunch of rate increases once people get in there. So they don't feel like they're getting ripped off or, or gouged or anything like that as well. So there Absolutely. is kind of a, there's kind of a split in this industry between people that are lower their price to get you in the door and then raising your rates, you know, aggressively. And then yeah. other people that are still, you know, trying to keep their occupancy up and keep their tenants happy and keep a good reputation and that sort of thing. So, um, yeah, no, I, I just, I, uh, I appreciate that insight and, uh, yeah, definitely don't feel like people are going to run you down for that. For that so. <laughs> well, Ben, I, I personally, I think that since COVID-19 hit, we've had a huge shift in, you know, storage facilities being filled up and staying full mm -hmm. because of the circumstance. And there are facilities out there who raised their rates and um, customers paid it because they had to. Right. But Absolutely. Now with everything opening back up, the world is getting back in its rhythm again and people can't afford exorbitant rental amounts mm -hmm. and um you know we have people that come down from the larger cities and find out what our units are per month and they're like wow up up in such and such you know they're this much so mm -hmm. you know i find it just works out best so we keep a happy medium right and and i mean kind of to your point as well uh the when the rate increase or the revenue increases really started to gain traction was through that kind of COVID-19 era, you know, 21, 22, there was no availability. Customers couldn't really leave even if you increased their rates, right? So there was nowhere else that they could go. Everything was full occupancy. I think that we're going to finally start to kind of see how that strategy plays out more in the next 12 months where mm -hmm. there is availability now. The industry has kind of slowed down. Can you still increase customers' rates at the at the rates that they that the REITs were doing, you know, the like public and all them, you know, doubling people's rent over a six-month period of time? Can mm -hmm. you still keep occupancy that way? Or when other people have availability, are they gonna leave? Were they only there because they had to be there? Right. Um, and so I think that's gonna really start to play out a lot more this year, you know, with with kind of the slowdown in storage a little bit that we saw last year. Uh, yeah. I think that that strategy might really backfire on some companies, I think, in the next 12 months. I totally agree. Okay. So, uh, so 
kind of moving over towards marketing and keeping, I guess you said you keep, you try to keep a pretty high occupancy rate. Um, mm -hmm. what, what type of marketing do you do to fill empty units or do you have any trouble with that? <laughs> well, um, we are at a hundred percent right now. Okay. Um, so in the area that we're at, I have really found that we don't have to do a lot of marketing now. I mean, we have a Facebook, we have a website, we're mm -hmm. on Google business. So someone from out of town can find us, but right. you know, the best and the best way we get the business is word of mouth. The small community people, if they're treated right, they just say, Hey, you should go put your stuff in self storage, you know, blah, blah, blah. So it's proven for the last three years, we have been full and awesome. we have a waiting list. So when one comes open, we're calling people on the waiting list to get it, you know, somebody put back in it. Mm -hmm. um, that's all. That's awesome. Yeah. And, and we, I don't think that there's not as many companies that are like that right now, as far as full mm -hmm. occupancy and, you know, with a waiting list. And so I think that kind of speaks a little bit to the, the extra effort that you put into keeping the facility clean as well. And yeah. kind of having that good relationship between you and your tenants um, to, to keep that good brand recognition in the area for sure. Absolutely. If, if we can kind of go towards that direction a little bit, what do you do anything specifically towards your, for your customers uh, as far as to create a pretty good customer experience uh, through the move-in process or just as your customers in general, do you do anything kind of unique there? Or? Well, uh, you know, anyone that's been in the customer service industry already knows that dealing with people is, is um, always an experience each individual is different so that for me is the trickiest part um whether they're a walk-in or they're on the phone you know we really try to take the time to get to know them um you can get a lot of really good information that you need from a tenant when you're just talking to them in general and getting basic information like oh you know what do you do for a living? You know, where do you work? All that kind of stuff. And, and you find out little tidbits about them. So when um, special things come up and every year we have a, a customer appreciation event and okay. we have little goodies, we have pins, we have planners that we hand out. We have customers that come in, Oh, these pins. I love them. These planners. Can I get one? You know, they'll just stop in even if their rent's not quite due yet. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes they'll send people in that aren't even customers to come in and oh, wow. see about it. But um, awesome. we try to have little treats for them and, and take notice of those who may be diabetic and can't have candy. You know, we have a little coffee station. We're just trying to do things that make them know that we appreciate them. Right. And I think the biggest part of that is, um, talking with them and not getting in a hurry unless they are in a hurry and right. um, letting them know that we care, that we know them. We call them by name when they walk in the door. They don't, they're not just another number. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we sympathize, right. sympathize with them. We joke with them. Um, knowing their name, that's what keeps your customers there. Absolutely. Building a little bit of that rapport with the customer can go mm -hmm. a long way for the length of attendance for sure. And uh, yeah, that's awesome. And exactly. It, and 
Yeah. And, and yeah, I mean, and in an, in a pace, I mean, I feel like, you know, just the world in general is just, everything is so fast paced when, when somebody does actually take the time to listen to you and you feel like, you know, they do understand they are listening. Um, you're learning a little bit about them. You're calling them by name, that sort of thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I just think that that means a lot more now than it used to, because it's so many people don't do it that way anymore. And so, uh, right. yeah, that's, that's awesome. And, you know, that kind of segues into um, collection efforts as well, because if you're getting information from the tenant in normal conversation avenues, it helps <laughs> if you have to go after them for money that's owed, unfortunately. So, right. You know. <laughs> yeah. Unfor unfortunately, that's a big part of the business as well. Huh? So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But okay, so um, as far as as far as in your time in storage, uh, this is just one question I usually like to ask, uh, just to kind of see what see if there's anything out there that, that sticks out in your mind. Have you had any horror stories or tenants that really stick out to where it's like, oh wow, I can't believe this happened? Any <laughs> anything like that that you'd like to share? I have one in particular. I call it the, my hanky panky story. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> I'll set the stage real quick. You know, down here in this part of Georgia, it's hot, it's humid. You know, you step outside after getting a shower and you're sweating again. So, you know, it gets pretty hot down here in the summer. So one day I was at the office and by the way, managers, if you're not nosy at your facility, you should be, be nosy. That's how you find out things. Um, I happened to be watching my cameras and these two cars had gone back to their unit and I kept looking at the cameras and there was no activity, but the cars were sitting there and I'm like, what in the world are they doing back here? So mm -hmm. I get my dust, you know, my dust pan and my broom and I'm walking back there kind of making some noise and the door was down, but cracked just enough where I could see that they had had a mattress on the floor of the oh, unit. <laughs> and um, thankfully I didn't catch them in the act, but um, mm. you know, it didn't take a whole lot to realize what they had been doing. And right. uh, that was the only time it happened. But in the middle of summer, I'm like, you know, at least you could have gotten a climate control unit. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Well, there you go. You can uh, upsell them to, to one of those the next time. Huh? There you go. There you go. There's no, always something funny. adventurous going on in the self-storage industry with people. So yeah. Yeah. Everybody has their crazy idea of what they can do with a storage unit. And so, uh, uh -huh. yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Very funny. So um, I guess as, as we kind of, again, uh, you've shared a lot of information. I really appreciate you taking time to, to, to share with us. Um, would, would there be kind of just like as a final question, if, if you could give one piece of advice to somebody who was looking to, you know, uh, get into self-storage, would there be one thing that sticks out in your mind that you'd be willing to share as far as just a good piece of advice? Um, it's all about location. You choose the right location and you build a clean facility and you have someone who will honest, you know, be honest and manage it for you and take care of the customer, then you're going to make some money. Mm -hmm. You know, um, if it's one of those that's kind of out of the way, it doesn't look kept up and people aren't treated right, then no matter how nice the facility is, they're not going to stay. Right. So that, yeah, would, that, that would be my advice. Okay. Yeah. And that's a, yeah, a great piece of advice is like, I, I was just talking to somebody the other day 
And he said, you know, if, if somebody wants to get into self-storage, but they don't feel like it's going to be a full-time job or a business that they're going to have to maintain it and do a lot of work with it, then they either need to hire, you know, a third-party management or somebody that's going to put some effort into it, or they need to stay out of storage because mm -hmm. it's not a walk in the park. You're just going to collect a rent check and be done with it. It's not an investment that just sits there and makes you a ton of money. If you're running a facility, it does take a lot of work. And so don't, you know, Absolutely. don't, don't go into it with a false hope of I can buy a facility and it can just sit there and produce money for me. Somebody has to put some work into that facility. So uh, yeah, that goes right. hand in hand with what you were saying there. So Absolutely. Yeah, and then if you can get a good location, and I mean, I know as far as like self-storage has been growing rapidly over the last five years, there's been a lot more people investing in it, but there are still a lot of good locations that aren't overbuilt. There's a lot of space, you know, still where self-storage still has a high demand. And mm -hmm. so, uh, yeah, selecting that location and putting some effort into where you find your spot is uh, is definitely a big part of it. So. Yeah, yeah. And I, I also find that um, climate control is... Um, building popularity mm -hmm. you know we can't keep any climate control empty it's it stays full all the what, time with with you being in georgia i guess as far as uh hotter summers that sort of thing mm -hmm. how much how much more maintenance goes into climate control versus your standard units as far as you know making sure uh humidity levels stay correct you're you know with, with cooling a space that you know, if it's really hot on the outside of the metal do you notice a lot more maintenance in the climate control space or not as not not so much of a big deal well as long as your construction was quality um mm -hmm. and your insulation was done right uh your doors were sealed up properly you know we had one building that uh, wasn't done quite as well as it should have been and we have a dehumidifier in there mm -hmm. and we go in and we will we'll dump the water but we keep that building in particular a lot cooler so that the humidity doesn't build up as much okay um but yeah we try to keep it more on the cooler side and every walk we check the thermostats make sure the units are running you know climate control you don't have to sweep it out as bad because mm -hmm. the dust doesn't get as bad right um, but you still have to you know keep a check on it so as long as it's it's pretty low maintenance as long as you're paying attention yeah okay and then i know like a lot of the people that i've been talking to as far as you were saying climate controls seems to be gaining a lot of popularity uh, boat and rv in your area has it seemed like it's taken off or do you not see that so much um for a little bit, I thought it was going to, um, mm -hmm. and we looked at the possibility of expanding a current site and putting some RV in boat, but we just don't have the call for it as I thought we did. And so okay. we decided not to move forward on that, but anybody that's closer to, you know, campgrounds, uh, bodies of water, then, oh yeah, I highly suggest it. Right. Yeah. We, well, I, I run a property management software company. And so we, you know, we're doing demos and, and with new companies that are building and, you know, people that are buying facilities and it just mm -hmm. seems like boat and RV. I mean, we have been just talking to tons of boat and RV companies that they're popping up everywhere. Everybody that has an extra spot of land uh, thinks they can just throw some boat and RV storage into it and make some money off of it. So it, it yeah, seems like yeah, there's easy. <laughs> a lot of areas that have been really, uh, really getting a lot, a lot more uh, demand for boat and RV. So. Yeah. Yeah. Ours not so much, but others, you know, close, like, like I said, closer to lakes and such. Definitely. Yeah. 
Well, awesome. I, I really appreciate uh, you taking some time and uh, joining me on the podcast today. I don't want to take up your whole day. So um, <laughs> there was so, some really good information that you shared there. Is there anything else that you wanted to cover before we, before we wrap it up? Um, you know, I, there's so much that goes on in, in the self-storage industry. I mean, we could probably talk all day about different things, but, right. um, you know, it's just my hope that the managers and employees out there are giving good customer service. Cause that's ultimately when, what's going to keep an owner's facility full. Mm -hmm. Right. So, Awesome. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and yeah, and again, it's something that I think people focus less and less on with, you know, with third party management companies out there and remote management and feeling like they can have unmanned facilities and put less investment into the customer service side. Mm -hmm. I think that's going to really come back to where you have to have employees at facilities, you know, with, with the COVID era kind of being gone, uh, customer right. service is just going to see more and more of a demand. So, um, yeah, that's, that's yeah. a great piece of advice. So. I mean, you have to be willing to adapt with the electronic age, but still take into consideration your older community, mm -hmm. um, the ones who don't do Facebook or don't have email or right. you know, they're just in that generation that they don't do all those things. So you have mm -hmm. to have the newer stuff for the newer tenants and the old school stuff for some of the older tenants. <laughs> right. Yeah. There are still people that want to come in and pay cash. And so. <laughs> exactly. Right. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. Well, awesome, Brandy. Well, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciated you uh, joining me and it was nice having you on the show with me. And uh, well, thank you, Ben. I appreciate yeah. being invited.